Welcome to the Light Plus podcast from Lighthouse. In this series, we'll be talking to artists and curators behind Alternate Realities, an exhibition at Lighthouse for Brighton Digital Festival 2018, touring from Sheffield Dockfest. I'm Ali Beddoes, CEO and Artistic Director at Lighthouse, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today, we're talking to Ifatu Naobi about her work, Where is Home? Ifatu is an internationally acclaimed artist who works through transmedia projects, documentaries, text and video art. We talk about nationalism, borders and identity. Welcome Ifatu Naobi, thank you for being the first of our Alternate Realities episodes for Light Plus. And I'm going to ask you, Ifatu, to introduce yourself and a short introduction to what our listeners could expect from your work, Where is Home? Thanks, Ali. Uh, thanks for inviting me uh, to be part of the podcast. I'm really excited. My name is Ifatu. I'm a documentary filmmaker based in Nigeria for now. <laughs> uh, my project is called Where is Home? And it's really about the question, where is home, which is something that a lot of people take for granted or it's just become such a part of our lives that we don't really sit down to think about it. Um, So I'm really excited to be showing my project and I want people to check it out and enjoy the different answers that people have provided and shared. And I also want people to really think about the question of where is home for them, maybe in terms of where they are right now or where they're planning to go to in the future. Mm. So I understand you have connections to Brighton already. You studied at the University of Sussex. Can you tell me about what you studied and how you found yourself working with film and photography and how that became part of your work? Okay. Um, I studied law with international relations at Brighton many, many years ago. Um, I was at the University of Sussex and I lived in the Brighton city and it was really amazing. I felt really welcome there the first time I visited. I was going around with a friend of mine. We were checking out universities that we had applied to and um, we came to Brighton and I remember we'd gone to the KFC and (laughs) we'd gotten ice cream (laughs) and we sat on the beach and we ate the ice cream and I think for me just the feeling of being there and just feeling quite free and welcome and happy is one of the things that really got me to um, you know to decide to go to Brighton. Um, In terms of getting into film and art it's something that I really started doing after I graduated. Uh, My first couple of jobs were in media. The first one was on a website where I was writing and the second one was with a TV a production company called Iroko TV, which makes Nollywood movies. Mm. And they have a website. It's really like commonly referred to as the Netflix of Africa. And they make Nollywood movies and TV shows. And I'd been working there and I was on the operation side of things. And I saw how much of an influence Nollywood has all over the world. And I felt like the Nollywood filmmakers maybe didn't realize this or maybe they did but they hadn't started to capitalize on it and I thought this is something I really want to experiment with you know how can you use media to shape the way that people think Mm. or to you know pass across ideas or to just share whatever is going on so yeah that's how I got into this field 
That's really interesting because Whereas Home obviously uses the Instagram as a platform and you use digital media to challenge social inequality. And um, can I ask what makes you, what made you choose the digital as a medium to, to work with? What makes it so compelling? Okay, um, so this is a, another long story, um, but at the same time, <laughs> as I was in uni, um, I found myself making friends with people all over the world, and this was via the internet, um, and then, um, so I had a blog where I was writing about LGBT issues, um, that was around the period of time where Nigeria was passing the Same-Sex Marriage Prohibition Act, which basically punishes any same-sex shows of affection with up to 14 years in prison. And um, through my blog, I made all these friends who were in different parts of the world. And we were basically talking about LGBT issues in different African countries. And that was one of the things that basically made me realize how far um, that you can use the internet to just talk about what's going on. I mean, I made friends who were living in South Africa and we stayed friends for five years before we ever met, but we'd been collaborating on projects and I just thought that it's such a powerful way to talk about things. There's easy access, you know, you just need a smartphone or a basic laptop and some internet and you can basically start to present whatever it is you have in mind or challenge whatever it is or connect mm. with people. And it, it just made me stick with uh, digital mm. media. The thing I really love about Where Is Home is that it's such an intimate experience. The um, the use of Instagram, for me, works best on the phone or on, or on an iPad and less so on a, com- on a computer. And um, what I really liked was seeing the work at Sheffield Dockfest, but also being able to see it in another place. So I was traveling down from Sheffield to Brighton and it, it was just great to sort of be able to take the work with me and spend more time with the stories. Um, obviously you've got lots of friends that you spoke to and sort of put the question, where is home to them? But what, what helped you <laughs> select the best stories? Um, <laughs> for your work because obviously there's more there, there are other stories aren't there yes there are actually there's so many stories I probably have about 60 oh wow um, you've but, got a library <laughs> yeah <laughs> I do um, but I think one of the things that kind of helped me narrow down was when we decided that it was going to be shown on Instagram and um, so, so when we decided it was going to be on Instagram, we knew that Instagram already had that restriction of the one minute, right? Um, and initially, when I started doing it, I would just ask people, um, hey, where is home? And I'm sure people were a bit annoyed by me. I was literally asking everyone I met who would answer. Um, so it was a bit easy to choose the ones that ended up on Instagram based on maybe how concise their answers were. Because when I asked people and I would record them with my cell phone, I would just let them talk for however long they wanted to talk to. Um, I I had someone who spoke for over 30 minutes. Wow. Um, Of course, you know, it's hard for that to end up on Instagram Mm -hmm. uh, because she shared stories about her life, living in Trinidad, going to Jamaica, being in Vienna, 
being in Nigeria, being in France, being in Spain. It's really hard, you know, to get that in one minute. So one thing that helped were the people who were able to kind of summarize it, um, whatever it was that they wanted to say. Um, another thing that also helped was just the quality of the recording. Sometimes I happen to be in a really noisy place, so the quality wasn't great, or maybe it was a bit dark, so also the picture quality didn't look great, um, even though the people had said like really amazing things or shared a great experience. Um, I also think that as I went along with this project, I was able to kind of realize that I really needed to hold my phone steady <laughs> and maybe not shake when I'm reacting to something amazing that the person had shared. Um, so I think those kind of things um, help to narrow down what ended up on Instagram. Another thing that um, helped was just um, looking at the different themes that people uh, spoke about. Some people spoke about their personal identity, like maybe being an LGBT person. Um, some people spoke about nationality, feeling at home in their own home country as opposed to a different um, space somewhere else in the world. So we tried to select different themes um, that, you know, a wider range of people would be able to connect to or maybe even be able to experience something that they hadn't thought of before. Mm. Um, which makes it such a perfect work for the programme at Lighthouse for Alternate Realities. The works that we've selected really focus on identity and borders and transnationalism um, and that comes essentially from the British public really being aware of borders and divisions in countries and how they have such a significant effect on us and obviously these challenges have been going on for centuries but it seems to be um, ever more prevalent with things like Brexit and um, a difficult visa system um, and we're even more aware of it with um, the festival experience. Um, I know that Sheffield Dockfest really struggled to get artists into the country for a short amount of time um, with relatively short notice, but they're not the only festival that have those struggles. So there's obviously WOMAD and Hay Festival. Um, and it's um, disappointing and extraordinary that our government are putting our international guests under so much stress but I wondered if you could talk a little bit about your experience for Sheffield. Yeah definitely um, I, I you know as you mentioned already the project showed at Sheffield Dockfest and I had been invited um, to present the work as well as be on other panels and also see other artists works mm. and get to interact in that in that space um, but my visa application was denied um, the reason that was given was basically saying that um, I couldn't prove that I was only coming for the festival and would leave after the festival, um, which, you know, is really funny and ironic because what the project is about is talking about borders, belonging, the earth being for all of us yeah. and it was really sad to see that a lot of artists um, had their visa denied and it you know I'm sure it definitely affected the program in some ways um, but this is something that has been going on for the last couple of years now um, I mean I was just speaking to a friend um, telling them because I'm planning to move to Berlin in a couple of weeks and just saying how even though I had applied for the visa, had everything 
um, supplied everything that was needed for me. I didn't, I wasn't excited about it because I knew that there was a possibility that some immigration officer sitting somewhere in an office will decide um, for whatever the reason that, you know, this person is not allowed in their country. And yeah, I mean, it's something that a lot of people are talking about and I think that it's really important. Like these are very, very important issues to discuss because I feel that the world has um, always moved. People have shifted. People have moved. I think it's just in the very nature of human beings to move. Mm -mm, Definitely. And this is something I really wanted to address at Lighthouse with our programme. It's really important to me that we approach these political issues, but through the elegance of an artist's voice. And most art, of course, resides in the political, but I I wondered if you feel that an artist has or has the potential to have the power to be more than a protagonist. That's an interesting question. Mm. Um, I, I think it's, it's an interesting question in the sense that um, I, as an artist, personally, I work on things that reflect my reality. Mm. Um, so... I mean, yes, you're going to discuss the things that are going on in your society or in your larger world. Um, What then happens after that? I don't know. For example, I'd done a project um, maybe two years ago where I lived on the Nigerian national minimum wage for one month. Oh, yes, I've just recorded my experiences of it. The project was called Minimum Wage Challenge. And I was living on Nigerian national minimum wage, which is, I, I think, is around £40 a month. Mm. Um, and I just recorded my experiences of life doing that. Um, but what I was trying to say was that afterwards, people said, oh, um, so did you show it to any government officials? Um, you know, so what are you doing with it now? How is it going to, you know, get us a higher national minimum wage Mm. and i was just like so happy to be done with living on you know the equivalent of 40 pounds a month as (laughs) (laughs) and i just thought you know what if someone else sees it and is moved by it and thinks that more should be done then please feel free to run with it yeah 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 no exactly it's not just uh, an individual's um responsibility it's a group and collective responsibility so as I say, it's it's really important to approach these political issues through an artist's voice. Something else I wanted to talk to you about was about the um, difference between technology and art, because it, obviously, <laughs> obviously, people have been using technology as a medium for art, but there's a there's a sort of tension between the brain and the heart, I guess. And that's not to say yeah. that it, um, you don't come, <laughs> you don't sort of come across uh, special works. Um, but I think that Where Is Home is a perfect example of of managing to straddle that um, combination of technology and art and the brain and the heart. Is that something that you're conscious of when you make work? A little bit, um, but not so much. Um, I mean, I was reading a very interesting article. Um, about an exhibition that was at the Barbican. I'm not sure if it's still there, mm. but basically it was about abstract photography. Mm. And I think the, the one of the beginning phrases was talking about how actually photography and abstract art was not considered art because it wasn't things that were made from the natural form, you know, like it wasn't like a painting of a flower, for example. Right. Right. 
um, and it only happened recently that it that abstract art and especially abstract art in photography and even in sculptures started to be considered art. Um, but now, I mean, as somebody who basically wakes up and goes online, <laughs> it's really hard to, to, you know, where does that line, um, it's really hard to draw that line. In fact, almost for me, it's really impossible. When I was working on Where is Home, um, I realized that my phone became my most important asset in my entire life because I had done almost all the recordings on it. I had videos, I had photos, I had used the voice memo app to even work on the little recordings that went into the videos. All the videos that are in the project were made on my phone. Literally almost everything <laughs> about the project had to do with my phone. And I thought, oh my God, if I lose my phone, you know, like that's like a year's worth of work gone, even when it finally um, got put together. It's being presented in a format that you also need your phone for. Um, so I think now in the world that we live in, it's, it's, it's much harder to draw that line. And I actually think that technology is allowing us to do um, so many more things and to even maybe get a bit more depth um, yeah. in certain conversations. Uh, yeah, completely. Like my experience of being able to take your work with me when I wanted to go yeah. home, it was, it was, yeah. I've never been able to do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the final question really is about um, partnerships and the people that you worked with. Um, uh, obviously, you collected their stories, but there were other people that you worked with. And um, I wanted to talk about how you um, created a kind of where is home voice through um illustration or through uh, almost like a I'm really reluctant to say the word brand but <laughs> but you know what I mean uh, uh, the people that you worked with to create a kind of where is home identity there is um so I think um I actually my favorite part of the whole thing I think what I loved most about the project was that even creating the project itself was a journey um because it really started when I was visiting my mom, who lives in Liberia, and she was working on this construction site, which is on the border of Liberia and Guinea. And a lot of her workers came from Guinea every day. They would just like hop on a bike and cross the border. They don't have passports, by the way, or ID cards or whatever. You can walk across the border yeah. um, however you like. And I would ask them... You know, like uh, some people spoke English, some people spoke French, um, some people didn't speak either. They spoke other local languages. And I was interacting with the staff. Uh, I was making portraits um, of them um, because I just, just thought it, they, it was cool. Mm. Um, but anyway, I, I started to realize like when I asked people, hey, where are you from? They'd be like, oh, some people say, oh, I'm from Liberia. Some people say I'm from Liberia and Guinea. And I would think, wow. That's amazing that yeah. you're from two places. Explain this. And they would say, like, my grandma lives in Liberia. The rest of my family lives in Guinea. This whole place had been one space, um, you know, before colonialism came and drew that line. And 
that was where I really started thinking like, wow, this is interesting. Like even with that line, these people still consider themselves to be from these two places and they still navigate the spaces even though borders are there. Um, and as I went along the project asking people and people give different answers, I mean, one of the most um, touching answers I got, which is featured in the project, is from um, a woman called May, who is um, Sudanese, and she currently lives in Egypt, and I met her in Tanzania. And she was telling me how home was her body right. uh, because she'd been in Sudan and then during the war had moved from there to Yemen. And then the, the war in Yemen broke out and then they moved to Egypt and then she experienced the revolution in Egypt. And all this happened in a span of a couple of years. Right. Mm. And then we get to the point that the project, um, I start to work with the NFB. And we, then we bring on my the graphic illustrator, Maya and um, the creative director Valerie and you know then interacting with them sharing these experiences even having the experiences of Maya who is uh, Lebanese Canadian you know you start to see home coming up in all kinds of forms and it just ends up in what it is so I think that yeah I really enjoyed having that journey um, as part of the project it's lovely very generous what new works do you have in the pipeline, Ifati? Right. <laughs> um, so now I'm working on a game, mm -hmm. um, which is a choose-your-own-story, and it talks about the conflict in northeast Nigeria. And I'm sure many people may have heard about the infamous kidnapping of the schoolgirls from Chibok, yeah. um, which happened in 2014. And I'm working on a story that kind of tells the backstory to that and deals with a lot of the social issues that have come up from it such as the forced recruitment of young boys um young people getting especially girls being abducted being forced into marriage um also trying to show a lot of heroism as well um, because i see that um, this gets left out um, in the narrative that is in the public right now. I mean, there are also people, locals, who did some really, really brave things. I've spoken to women who literally stopped bombs with their hands. Wow. Um, so it's very dark. Mm. <laughs> um, it's also really emotionally taxing because you mm. hear all these horrible things that people have been through. But I think that it's really important. And I think that using a game, and the way it is, is a choose your own story. Mm. Um, so again, you know, it's a journey, again, trying to put people in into the situation. I think that this will be an effective way. Again, it's going to be online so anyone can play it. Right. Um, you know, so again, trying to use digital media to, um, you know, tell stories. Yeah, and widen the audience. Yes, exactly. Great. All right, well, let's wrap up there. We look forward to seeing our listeners at our show. And I hope that when you come over to Berlin, we get to meet up because um, it would be great to learn more about your work as it develops. But wishing Thanks you well. Thanks so much, Ali. Yeah, wishing you Thank you, you very well. much. Great. It was great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more about alternate realities, visit lighthouse.org.uk or chefdocfest.com. 
If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It helps other people find us. Thanks so much to our supporters. This series of Light Plus is supported by Brilliant Noise. Visit brilliantnoise.com for more information. Lighthouse is supported by Arts Council. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It helps other people to find us.